Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. Back again. Hiding in the house. COVID still going on, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. When the hell is this thing going to end? It's not going to end. It's never going to end. No, it will end. And, you know, I was talking with a friend recently, and and we were, she kind of said, you know what? This is just going to be gone one day. Like, one day it's just going to be gone. Or we're just going to get used to it. We're, we're going to be like, whatever happened to that COVID thing? It was When's the last time that was in the news? Yeah, you're just, you're just going to mysteriously just, wind up at some summer concert festival and be like, yeah, like what I happened? guess that thing went away. Why? Where, someone still have it. Well, I heard so-and-so got it. Someone over there in the other state, they had it. They had some COVID. And it'll be like elusive. I'm looking for some COVID. I'm looking for some going COVID. To ca- going to California, <laughs> trying to find some, some COVID. COVID. <laughs> I, went, I, got, I, I got away last week for a couple of days myself. I know you went. You went. You yeah, went and saw your grandfather yeah, when I got home. I had to get. I, dude. I. So yeah, I've been. I haven't taken any vacation because all my stuff got canceled this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to get away. Uh, and the brilliant, uh, my my favorite Tennessee power couple, uh, Caroline and Tony, who are dear friends of ours. They were up uh, in the thumb when we, uh, Michiganders, you guys all know how we describe where we're from. We take our hand and we just point somewhere on our hand and that's how we describe where we're from. And if you were to describe where I was at, you'd take your hand and take the thumb and point to the very tip of the thumb. And that's where I, I went, which is Port Austin. And I spent a couple of days there and it really make, put the hook in me about how, what's the word? Coved up, I've been. Coved up. That's a verb, like coked up. Not coked up. Stowed up. Stowed up. up. I've been stowed up. I've been stowed up. I've been not really had much of a problem, as I've said before in past shows, about being just at home and hanging around. But getting out and being in the woods for a few days and staring at a lake for a couple days really made me feel different and kind of honestly put me into a little bit of a depression, I think, when I got home. That and the fact that I was catching a, catching some type of uh, post sinus thing, which I've had the COVID test for anyways, uh, but I I, I kind of got a little a little down when I got home because just being sitting out in the sun, um, staring at water tied into a beach was fantastic. Just being outside, it felt normal for a, for a couple of days there for me again. Um, and, I, and, you know, there's a lot of people out and about doing stuff like that. But I don't know. I mean, I also had that uneasiness, though, too. I'm sure you have, Amber, was was just being out and about with people. And I had my mask and stuff like that. Uh, but it was, a, it was a strange feeling. It was a great feeling, but it was a strange well, feeling. Well, you can't let time. your guard down. No. You know, that's how you're going to end up one day just being like, what the hell? How did I get this? Um yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think the the test right now, the the litmus test, is if you all of a sudden end up with a cold, or you get strep throat somehow, then you better check what you're doing. If you get just something random like that, you know, yeah. one of the common things, because like, oh yeah. boy, then you know, wash your hands a little more, or maybe get a new mask or yeah, yeah, something, and you know, whatever. So, but getting back to work here, we spoke with the wonderful yeah preston dennett i was so excited ghostly, ghostly talk alumni from many years ago yes. and someone i've wanted to reacquaint with for a very long time i'm really happy we were able to do that because uh as past times we've had with preston we were left we just want to talk to him more uh, well, which he's, we will he's, he's we will. been a long time ufo researcher oh and god yeah as i started out the show with him it right now it's the golden moment for ufos um, ghost stuff. We're going into ghost an era. It's taking a backseat a little bit, you know, all that stuff. I mean, even cryptids, have, I think, I feel have, have become a little more popular than ghosts. 
And but with the the government releasing articles in the New York Times and all this other stuff about UFOs and your UAPs, as they're calling them now, uh, more updated professional term. And then uh, it's, it's interesting. I've never been into <laughs> UFOs as much as I am now in the past like five years. And of course, that was because I saw something myself. That's what triggered my interest. Well, same uh, here. Yeah. yeah. I, and so then I we I'm, saw something the same night. We did, and then and then I saw something again, like a number, like a decade later. Yeah, that was completely different than than my first sighting. A totally different thing. So, yeah. I and I I don't know what either one. The for the very first one that we both saw, I, I we've I'm sure we've said this on the show. I'm willing to believe that could be something military that they were. Well, yeah, I'm open to any type of. I mean, I can't tell I mean, you. I mean, who what knows? It, it could be an underwater base, which is one of the things I didn't get a chance to talk to Preston about because yeah. he has a book on it. Um, yeah. Underwater UFO bases. Who knows? There could be an underwater base, not necessarily UFO or alien. In Lake Michigan. In Lake Michigan with secret military aircraft. And then they pop out and they fly around at night. And then we all think they're UFOs because we see them and we're like, oh, crap. Yeah. It'd be funny if those people flying that every every once in a while go, okay, we, we let's look at our, our journal. Captain's log. Okay, we were flying around on November 7th. Let's see if anyone saw us. Oh, yeah. Damn it, Jerry. Look it. Look at these people over here in Ferrysburg. They saw you. They yeah, saw yeah. us. MUFON reports that these people yeah. were standing on their standing <laughs> on their deck smoking cigars. <laughs> the fat one was watching Police Academy yes. on the couch. And the, and they ran and got the fat one up and he, and he ran out. That's and how we wrote it. That's exactly how they probably wrote it. That's not then, how we wrote it. Then there was the fat one. No, I'm talking about the captain's log on the ship. Then the fat one started. No, because they didn't see us. They just have. They just go to look to compare. Oh yeah, that's how Mufon said. Yeah, that. I mean oh. that's I wrote in the Mufon. But can I finish anyways? Okay. Then the fat one ran out the door wall and started jumping up and down, screaming, "Oh my god, look at that in the sky! Oh my god, look at that in the sky!" <laughs> Is there any more cake? The <laughs> the skinnier older gentleman ran to get his camera. Yes. And tripod. While the fat one kept jumping up and down. While the girl the started. Shuffle. While the girl started to freak out and slowly back inside the house. <laughs> With a white look. It at reminded you. her of the movie Fire, Fire in the, the Sky. <laughs> So, anyway, <laughs> which we, uh, yeah, which we, yeah, a little bit about Preston Dennett. I'm just gonna talk about Preston now. Oh, like, what is that? It's that rabbit rabbits game. Oh, don't ever call them game. to do sound effects. Why? I thought I thought that's what they sounded. I don't like. think that, was, that sounded a little better. Okay, all right. Go so on. Preston Dennett, he's written all the books. Um, Every which book. I have to go buy now because I have to add a bunch Preston of his stuff. Preston Dennett is the Chuck Norris of <laughs> UFO research. He's written all, all the, the books. books. <laughs> but he began investigating UFOs uh, and the paranormal in 1986 when he discovered that his family, friends, co-workers were having dramatic unexplained encounters. And I think that happens with a lot of people that when they get interested in this type of thing, they start maybe talking to a few people like a coworker or family member. And then all of a sudden they're like, what? Grandma saw a ghost when she was little or, Oh, my boss saw like three UFOs, uh, you know, yeah, on this yeah. lake. And you just start talking to people that way. And you learn that everyone has a story. So since then he has interviewed hundreds of witnesses and investigated a wide variety of paranormal phenomena. He is a field investigator for the mutual UFO network, a ghost hunter, a paranormal researcher and the author of 26 books and more than 100 articles on UFOs and the paranormal. 
And you can find all of his books. We'll have all of his links um, up, but it's PrestonDennett.Weebly.com. But yeah, we'll yeah. have the links on our site yeah, so you we'll can easily there. click through. Just go to ghostlytalk.com. I'm sure you can find info. his books on Amazon as well. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, enjoy our show with the incredibly smart Preston Dennett. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I am really excited to talk to you because this, I feel like it's finally a UFO researcher's time. Like, <laughs> like it is it is their moment to shine and, and they're taken more seriously maybe now. It's, it's I know we started, we got started in more of the ghost hunting realm and UFO yeah, stuff was days. always like on the fringe, like oh the ghost hunters are dorky and cool, but those UFO guys, nah. Oh boy. Yeah, right. They're yeah. you know, but now it's like the opposite. I'm more interested in UFOs than I am ghost stuff these days. And then with the dawn of the 2017 New York Times article that pretty much unleashed that the government was still looking into UFOs, and, and then subsequent articles since. Um, I just feel like it's it's that time. It's the UFO time. What do you think about everything that's been going on? Uh, being a UFO re- researcher yourself? Yeah, otherworldly vehicles. <laughs> I love it. Right? <laughs> it's been, it, you know, I've been researching this field for, geez, let's see, it's like 30, 35 years now. Wow. And uh, there has been no movement coming from government really at all. And uh, it started out as little baby steps, and now it's picking up a little bit. And this was pretty explosive yeah it's it's been Uh, a big deal yeah i mean it's not quite had a huge impact with the regular you know average person and i'm talking to my friends like did you hear about the pentagon said like what what (laughs) i I know what it's go ahead go ahead yeah i think people like need the uh craft itself the alien bodies before they're gonna really pay attention it's true for me yeah for me this is awesome i love it yeah it's true. When that article hit the New York Times uh, in December 2017, I was like, oh, my God. Everyone was like, disclosure's here. It's here. It's on the. It's right there. And then it was just kind of like, nah. And all, like, the paranormal circles started getting going crazy. And, yeah, the UFO researchers are going nuts. And then just, like, and then you'd see, like, CNN. There'd be, like, a little blip on there somewhere. And it's just like, what? Why isn't more people the Hey guys, the government just admitted that <laughs> stuff's going on. Well, right. well, in a way, that's good. It you know? is good. It's it, yeah, it's baby steps. It's some some form of transparency. But and then there's the whole trickle thing with like then to the stars academy comes along and holy cow! Now I'm newish to the UFO world. We're talking like I've only been re- like heavily looking into this stuff for the past five five six years. I and, and I'm still confused. There's so <laughs> much going on. But when the whole to the stars thing happened, like to me, I just seemed like the infighting even happened even more. There was like team to the stars, Tom DeLong, and then team like against to the stars, Tom DeLong. <laughs> and I, but I, I can't help but think, and I don't know what your opinion is on this, 
that to the stars sort of helped somewhat bring it to the general public a little bit and having someone like Tom DeLonge who has been a well-loved <coughs> rock star for decades now. So I don't know. What was your thoughts on TTSA when they came out? Yeah, well, I remember when Tom DeLonge first came out saying, you know what, guys, I've had an encounter. Yeah. And my, and my first thought was, great. Yay. You know, he's famous. He's got money. He's uh-huh. got a real platform. <laughs> and uh, I hope he does something with it. So I was really pleased to see that he is. And not just a little bit. I mean, he's really pushing forward with this. No, I, he's got like the and, big players with him. You got Hal Putoff. You got, um, oh gosh, what was the guy? Uh, Chris Mellon. Um, you got all these, oh, well, uh, the guy who has the show now, uh, Luis Elizondo. Well, Matt seen it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Elizondo? Uh, I, I think it's Elizondo. Why am I, what does that yeah. sound wrong? I hate when I do that. But <laughs> history, but, and then they just dropped the second season of Unidentified on History Channel, I believe, in the past two weeks. It just started. And that's been successful for History Channel. So it's good to see these things happening. And it's good to see authors like you who have been researching and doing this stuff till, since 1986 to keep plugging along and writing all these books and kind of being able to say like, hey, see, I'm not so crazy. Look at all this cool stuff I've written. And uh, it's kind of being validated a little bit uh, now. So your newest book, Preston, is Onboard UFO Encounters. This is the most terrifying thing ever to me. <laughs> It's not that sc- well. Yeah, it's a little scary. Uh, <laughs> I get it, uh, but I I honestly don't think they're here to take over. I don't think this is a nefarious thing. Uh, I know people have very scary encounters, but honestly, people have very pleasant encounters. And if you kind of analyze ET behavior, uh, it's very much falls under the same umbrella as human behavior. They're very much like us in a, most ways. They just look a little different. I have to ask how. I mean, we don't need to get too granular here, but that's a very interesting thing to hear. Uh, how are they like us? Because, oh. oh, you know, it seems like the focus here, and not to interrupt, but I mean, it seems like the focus here is we always hear about ETs and things like that are how different they are from us. Um, I'd like to hear about some similarities. Um, can we get some examples? Uh, well, yeah. For one thing that really struck me is pretty much universally when someone sees an extraterrestrial it's going to be humanoid it's going to have eyes you know mouth two arms mm-hmm. legs when i was you know skeptic i came into this field very skeptical uh i was repulsed by it because i figured you know ets are not going to look like star trek and this is what people are reporting i don't believe it for a second uh but this is what we're seeing and i find that very interesting yeah Bipe- but, bipedal creatures just like us yeah yeah and if we were to go to another planet and you know find creatures and i'll put that in quotes there uh what would we do well we the same thing they're doing we check out their power structure you know these guys are hovering over our military bases our nuclear power stations uh they're picking plants you know, animals, abducting humans. This is exactly what we would do. Right. Uh, so their behavior is almost, you know, mirrors our own. Even to the point where someone's taken on board, the single most common thing people report is being physically examined. Yeah. Which is, of course, what we would do. Well, uh, I guess that my problem with that, though, Preston, is the secrecy. Because, uh, yeah, we hear stories upon stories about how people are, and we say abducted, right? And, of course, the word abducted, that comes with a negative connotation as soon as it comes out of your mouth. Uh, I mean, I guess the question I have is why can't – so, hey, guys, we're from so-and-so. We're from this 
this uh, this galaxy here and you know we're really fascinated with your planet and, and your and the creatures on your planet um you know could we work something out i mean like a communication <laughs> of sorts we, we, you know, we'd like to check some stuff out here we'd like to learn some stuff from you guys can we talk and I mean, this may very well be happening. It just isn't happening on the daily news, <laughs> right? Uh, but it just seems like to me, like it seems like it's, it's shrouded in so much secrecy, and it's so it's so clandestine, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, yeah. why can't we somebody just knock on the door and say, "Hey, we're here. Can we can we hang out?" <laughs> I guess it's a question I have. Right. Yeah, the UFOs are pretty secretive and evasive. Yeah. So is the government. Mm -hmm. You know, and people who have encounters aren't you know, always ready to jump up and tell the world, guess what? You know, I've been taken on board a UFO. So it's kind of a triple layer of secrecy there. Yeah, and, well, uh, well yeah, people's, re people's rep reputations are put on the line, obviously. Oh, yeah. they're, 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 their lives can be ruined as a result of a story like this. Right. It's not nearly as bad as it was, I have to tell you, when I first got in this field. Uh, but I feel like the ETs, I'm not going to call them ETs. I think that's what we're dealing with here. Mm -hmm. I know there are other explanations, but... The ET theory, to me, fits the evidence best. And I feel like they kind of know better than to just land yeah. and uh, you know, show themselves. <laughs> because we're very warlike. We're yep. very aggressive. Got a lot of prejudices. A huge problem with racism and yep. mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of things. Yeah. And they have you know, put on... I mean, like, look what happened in 1952. They hover over the White House. Yeah. People always ask... Why don't they land in the White House lawn? Well, they tried, they and we chased after them. We had a policy throughout the 1950s, certainly, and beyond of shooting these things down or chasing after them, at the very least. That's like the Battle of Los Angeles, too, which is another super intriguing um, UFO sighting to me because I think there was multiple things seen in the sky, and there's newspaper articles, you know, that's in the headlines the next day. And right. I don't know. I haven't I haven't read enough about that particular thing to know if like anyone suspects that they did indeed shoot something down, but they were shooting at things. Yeah, so, apparently they did. Okay. According to, to FOIA, Freedom of Information Act documents, you know, released through the Freedom of Information Act. Apparently we did shoot something down. Hmm. It's a huge that was a huge incident. Put all of LA on lockdown, uh, you know, blackout. There was some fifteen hundred rounds of ammunition shot at this one large object hovering over Culver City for, what, two hours? And uh, five people died as a result of falling debris and car accidents really? and heart attacks. And, uh, but yeah. recently, yeah, we've got information that perhaps they shot two of these objects down, one over the mountains, one over the ocean, wow. and were subsequently recovered. I uh, don't know if that's true. I don't have the first-hand information on it. This is from Robert Wood, who's really one of the UFO crash retrieval uh, experts or researchers. Uh, so that was a huge incident and kind of shows our policy of being pretty truculent, you know, yeah. fight, fighting these guys. I think that's one of the reasons we're not seeing ETs come down in large numbers. I think another is they tried that before in ancient history and work. we worshiped them as gods. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, so that didn't work out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another possible reason, and this has been a rumor that's been going around in the field for years and just seems to be getting more corroboration, I guess, is that there's a deal going on between our military and, in particular, greys, the, the grey ETs, where in exchange for technology, we allow them to abduct people 
and they're not allowed to announce their presence. Uh, I don't know if that's true. This was put forth by, gosh, I think it was John Lear initially. Okay. Uh, but looks like it might be true. I've got, you know, first-hand cases of people who are abducted and had this information relayed to them by the Greys themselves. Well, in the recent, the most recent kind of, well, slight debacle of a New York Times article that came out here at the end of July, uh, talked about crash, you know, re- retrievals. And, of course, I, I don't, I, they had to already redact or retract some statements that uh, they made from that article. But it does, it is interesting to think about how fast our technology has grown. And it's always made me wonder, because you look at, like, I don't know, like, well, when was Roswell? 1940, was that 40, yeah. 47? So, okay, if we already then got something, we're able to backward engineer, you kind of look at that time and see, even from that, the 40s, how quickly stuff started kind of just building. And then even within the last 20 years, I feel like everything's just magnified even more since then. Right. And so it does make you wonder, like, did we get some things from the other guys that, you know, have helped uh, us out? <laughs> helped our communication? So. Yeah, helped our, our yeah. microchips gotten smaller? Um you know, well, all if you that kind of Colonel, stuff. If you believe Colonel Corso, oh, uh, that's yeah. exactly what happened the day after Roswell. Yep. Um, and people have tried to debunk him and have not been successful. It's a pretty controversial account, but he's not the only one saying it. Yeah. So there, there's a host, you know, a parade of whistleblowers coming out of the woodwork right now. And that's from what I from what I've researched and understood too that that the the Colonel Corso story it had, like you said, it's, it's again hard to completely debunk. And even a lot of the the big time researchers are kind of like, yeah, you know, that might have been the real deal. Um, so yeah. it's hey, and hey. it's a great book too. If you're looking for like a good book to start out, you know, start out with his book, The Day After uh, Roswell. Yeah, one of the few that actually made the bestseller list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And I have to tell you, I've talked to some whistleblowers myself. One guy worked at Edwards Air Force Base, which is just a UFO magnet from day one. Uh, everything about UFOs has taken place there, from crash retrievals to sightings to reverse engineering to face-to-face encounters. It's all happening at Edwards. And this guy was a subcontractor who was doing a job there and happened to walk by this warehouse and the window was open, so he looks inside and sees this UFO. It looked mm. like a UFO. And his boss, you know, the guy who was employing him, he, he asked him, well, what's that? And his boss just puts his finger to his mouth and says, no, shh, I'm not talking <laughs> about it. And it wasn't until years later when the same employer contacted him for another job, says, can you work for me? And the guy I interviewed says, no, I'm not doing it unless you tell me what we saw. <laughs> Uh, and kind of blackmailed him into revealing that this was, in <laughs> fact, reverse-engineered technology taken from the ETs. So it wasn't an actual ET craft. It was something that we built, but it was reverse-engineered, basically. That was the implication, yeah. The yeah. Okay. Well, right. and that's, it makes me wonder, too, then, if that's if um, the whole Bob Lazar story, if that's what he was seeing, if, well, I mean, if uh, you're to believe his story or not. What do you think about him, Preston? Oh, huge believer. Okay. I, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who've been to Area 51. I've been there myself, not inside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, at the Little Alien, yeah. at Rachel, Nevada. And I have to tell you, that place is huge. It would take you days and days and days to drive around it. Wow. And I wrote a book, you know, UFOs Over Nevada, mm-hmm. and did a whole bunch of research on Area 51. And that's where most of the sightings are coming from, is around that area. And... uh 
I've talked to so many people who've had sightings there. Well, I, uh, and I, I guess the idea, and I've heard this before, but it, it makes me think about this again, is a lot of the stuff that people claim to see, are they just things that we've built right. you know, We've built and reverse engineered, basically? Yeah. Some, right. some, some for sure, but most no, because are we really going to take our most advanced aircraft and chase cars down the highway? No. Are we going to put on displays for part of thousands of witnesses? Yeah. Or, yeah. or you know light up people's homes at night and the fact is aliens are coming out of these things mostly right. it's not it's not humans so we know that most of it is not our own but around bases like area 51 or edwards or mm-hmm. you know others uh yeah i i've had a number of government people tell me that upwards of 10 to 20 percent mm. um so, could be our own so let's go back to the abduction thing i hate God, i hate to say the word abduction is there another word we can use here um, uh, that's why I titled the book on board UFO experiences. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Just, okay, on board. Okay, yeah, you know what? That's, that's a good idea. Or I was uh, going to say procurement. Like, procurement, like, no. <laughs> population procurement. No. Uh, so, but let's talk about, uh, you know, yeah, on board UFO encounters. As far as, um, I guess, what happens when, to somebody when they're taken aboard. I mean, we've heard things here and there, but I'd like to hear from you what happens to a person when they're taken aboard a craft like this. Yeah, like what are the most common things people report that aren't the First we start with the cappuccino. Not yeah, that aren't the, <laughs> that aren't the stereotypical like, you know, probes, you know, like yeah. there's got to be some other things that happen that yeah. are have a lot of similarities um that these people have. Oh yeah, absolutely. It follows a pretty I don't want to say strict, but certainly consistent pattern. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, abduction is kind of a a negative word, yeah. but I have to tell you, most cases are not like particularly friendly where they're coming along and knocking on your front door. No, they take people out of their beds at night yeah. or along the highway. There is a kidnapping aspect to this that you can't rationalize. You know, you can't, I don't see how there's any excuse for the way these ETs are behaving. That's a crime on any country on our planet right. to kidnap someone against their will. Yeah. And this is what is happening often however you know when someone is kidnapped on earth by another individual it doesn't end well very rarely does it end well mm-hmm. it's they're not a you know kidnapping someone to heal them or anything which is right. actually what's happening with these abductions there are people are being taken on board and like i mentioned earlier the single most common thing is being physically examined i can mm-hmm. almost predict that when someone says oh you know this I think I was taken on board. Uh, but beyond that, there's so much that can occur. I just did a little video about people who are put into what's called the breathing pool. Mm. And that's this weird procedure. There's a lot of weird things that happen. Uh, and one of them is being placed in this vat of kind of a gelatinous liquid and made to breathe it in, oh like a God. breathable liquid, uh, mm. which you know we can do with perfluorocarbons, but not to the you know, level that these guys are doing it. And that's a rare procedure, which is fairly consistent. Oh my God. I hear that, you know, not a lot. I would say beyond the physical examination, the thing I hear most is being shown or told, being given warnings of some kind, warnings about nuclear proliferation. That's very common or pollution, our warlike ways, you know, our prejudices, This sort of thing, overpopulation, right. global warming, some variation 
of upcoming earth changes or environmental collapse or even social collapse. Uh, one, one lady I interviewed, DTs told her flat out, don't get into politics. <laughs> if, you're, if you're into politics, you're part of the problem. She was a huge supporter of Ross Perot. Oh, gosh. At the time. <laughs> yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but th- it's still something I hear fairly regularly. Yeah. Uh, you know about politics but okay so so, so that, and that's that's good stuff right there i mean i'm i i, I agree with them right but if like let's say i go to bed tonight and i wake up in a ufo <laughs> and the e <laughs> that, that, <laughs> <laughs> let's take the fat one <laughs> here we go um and so i wake up and they say listen scott um this racism thing it's got to go it's a problem on your planet. And I go, I agree 100%, but all I can do is make a Facebook post. Right. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I really don't have much of an influence here. So it seems like for things like that, why wouldn't uh, they be taking more? Well, yeah, why wouldn't? Well, I guess if they well, don't like politicians, they don't want to deal with them. Uh, I mean, why wouldn't you take people that have more of an influence on, the, on society? Uh, or maybe take someone who works in the nuclear power industry. Right. And say, hey, dude, you, you guys are messing with the atom here. And it's really, you know, that we've already seen a few things in history. Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, uh, Fukushima, <laughs> World you, War Two. You, you guys aren't really getting the point here. So we need to tell you flat out. Stop. Right. Um, why wouldn't you take someone who has the power to influence? Right. As opposed uh-huh. to. It's, right. I mean, it, it, is it a logical question to ask you, Preston? Yeah, and I'm really glad you asked it because my answer is that they did. They have. Ah. They've contacted a lot of world leaders and no one is talking about it. Our government mm-hmm. has been very tight-lipped about what they know. And by all accounts, there have been diplomatic meetings. There's a huge account from 1954 about Eisenhower supposedly meeting ETs face-to-face oh. at Edwards. Yep. Um, other cases like at Holloman Air Force Base. A bunch of them. And our military has not been forthcoming, transparent, or truthful. And so they, in my mind, they're doing a grassroots movement. And who are they contact? This is something I've really looked into. Like, who's having contact and why? And what I found is the most prominent pattern is that people who have a history of encounters, uh, they are tracking families. There's no doubt about this. Mm-hmm. We've pretty much confirmed this. That, and this speaks towards their main genet- uh, agenda of genetics and hybridization or hybrid babies, which I cringe to talk about in front of skeptics because I know how it sounds. Right. <laughs> well, this is what we're seeing. And I'm like, well, who's being contacted beyond that? You know, it's evenly divided between men and women. Blood type, mm, no real pattern there that I could find. There's all races. It's all over the world. Very young people, very old people. Uh, education wasn't a factor. Uh, but I did find some patterns. And it's your profession. And there's an awful lot of musicians, very influential musicians like oh, shit. Uh, John Lennon, Tom DeLonge, <laughs> or you know, I think there's a whole, there's books on this, uh, Pink Pink Floyd, and uh, g- gosh, who's uh, Jimi Hendrix? Yeah, apparently had, and so that's one aspect. I thought, well, let's look into this because mm-hmm. I kept, you know, I asked people, what's your profession? I started getting an awful lot of social workers, a lot of human rights activists. A lot of doctors, teachers, writers, inventors, people who are doing good work for humanity in some capacity. Yeah. 
which is a, you know not, not a super strong pattern, but I like one guy I interviewed not too long ago. He's like, well, I'm a bus driver. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, started telling me all these interesting bus driving stories. And uh, he's like, well, really, my passion is, you know, I run this website, and it's to help, you know, people become spiritually enlightened. I'm like, well, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Someone, someone who's trying to influence. Well, and, and yeah, and they have an influence, especially musicians. You think about music and songs and how songs are timeless. And you think about John Lennon, you know, and Imagine, that song, the impact well, I mean, that that had. And I know researcher Grant Cameron did a whole book on musicians and, the, and consciousness and how they suddenly get downloads. And right. just get inspiration that they they will tell you they don't know where it came from. They wake up in the middle of the night. They Man, heard three notes in their yeah, yeah. They heard three notes in their dream. They write it down, and it becomes like the biggest hit of the summer, and you know for the next decade or whatever. And yeah. so that's that's a really interesting aspect of the whole UFO um, puzzle. Is just okay, yeah. Who who was yeah. it happening to? And it's happening to these kind of people. It's funny. It made, exactly. me think, it made me think about this. The great the great comedian who's no longer with us named Bill Hicks. Made a made a made a joke, but it but it was a serious joke about Jimi Hendrix uh, in one of his stand-ups years ago, and he basically said the same. He basically said that about Jimi Hendrix. He's like, "Have you listened to that man?" He's like, "Bottom line, aliens dropped him off and said, Jimmy, you come down here and you straighten this thing out. We'll be back here in twenty eight years to get you.'" <laughs> and it was funny, but it's true, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, you know, this speaks towards a, a, another very common event when someone's taken on board a UFO is being taken to the control room. And this is very, I mean, it's, gosh, half, half the cases. Like in this book I wrote, there's at least five people who had this experience where they're taken to the control room, they sit in the seat, the ETs tell them how it works, even let them drive the craft in, gosh, three of the cases. And they say, oh, you don't need fossil fuels. You know, there's other forms of energy. We have power our ships by electromagnetism. Mm-hmm. And here's this grassroots movement again. Our government has this technology. Our governments across the world, I believe, and I think the evidence backs this up, have obtained, you know, ET technology from crashed UFOs and are not releasing it. And so the ETs are now saying, okay, if you're not going to do it, we're going to go to the people and have them do it. Well, let's step back a second here, if, if if I may, Preston. Because we were, we kind of had a negative connotation on this thing. We talked about uh, kidnapping and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but now we're talking about things like, hey, well, let's show you around. You know, and speaking as an engineer, I mean, if 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 I was on a, if I woke up on a spacecraft, of course I'm going to be a little freaked out. But they say, all right, well, here's a deal. Let's, you know, here's what's up. Hey, you want you want to see the bridge? You want you want you, you want to check it out? Oh yeah, yeah. That, that would that would calm me down a bit. I think it would make me comfortable. And I'd be excited to go, hey, this is what I've always wondered about. And you guys are going to, hey, you want to give it a shot here? Put your hands on the wheel. Oh, okay. I mean, to me, that <laughs> right there, just that just didn't. You'd move it with your mind. Okay, whatever. I don't care. Whatever <laughs> way. No it's, it's cool. It's right. <laughs> that, to me, is a pretty positive thing. Yeah. Like, that's, right? a, that's a cool thing. Like, okay, we're going to show you what we're about. Um then we'll kill you. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I then hope we'll suck out your brains. No, this, yeah. Go this is why I'm very hopeful about all of this and optimistic because if you look at these accounts objectively, when someone's taken on board, yeah, it can be scary. It can be very scary. Yeah. And people react with extreme fear and sometimes violence. A couple of people I've talked to have you know, punched the grays in the face oh, or choked them or oh, wow. this sort of thing. But people who react without fear are certainly treated differently and there, i have no accounts literally none 
in my files of what I would categorize as sadist, sadistic behavior yeah. or, or murders or torture or all these awful, awful things that humans do fairly regularly mm-hmm. to each other. Yeah. None of that is coming forth on onboard UFO accounts. I, so, I, you know, and I'm willing to be a guinea pig to a certain degree, I think, if they want to be at the bridge of the ship. <laughs> I'm totally cool with that. I mean, not to go back to that again, but I mean, yeah. I, I'll I, try their snacks. <laughs> there we go. I'll do that. I'll do, be the best. Do you guys have a green room here or a break room by any <laughs> I'll chance? I'll volunteer. I'll be like, give me your <laughs> best cookie. Vending machine? <laughs> do you guys know what a vending machine is? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I guess I'd be willing to, you know, hey, yeah, you want to check me out? That's fine. That's, I mean, all joking aside, I, I'm willing to do that. And you're right. Like, I mean, we hear about people and yeah, I think they're, I mean, like a lot of things, Hollywood, I think, has sensationalized things about this to a degree where oh, yeah. they've made it. I mean, Fire in the Sky is a no-brainer. Yeah. That's the one that freaks out Amber all the time. Yep. Um, they've made it to a more of a horror degree yeah. where it's really yeah. scary, right? Um, and I, and we, I think we know. Go ahead, Preston. It set the field back years, that movie. I, Honestly, I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, my God, is that what happened? Yeah. I mean, it was a great movie except for that one segment, which was completely fictionalized. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and I think that set back, I mean, to switch over for a second, that set back the ghost, you know, the, the ghost study community also, spirit studies also, I think. Because, I mean, even today, well, even with, with UFO movies you too, mean I media? think. media? Set back the ghost community? No, the mov- movies and stuff like that. Oh, ghost okay. hunting community. I hate using the term ghost hunting, but okay. the ghost hunting community, it's the same thing because every every movie about s- spiritualism or the paranormal, it's about some crazy ghost is well, trying yeah. to kill somebody or throw somebody it's out of their demon. house. It's a negative thing, right? And it's the same idea. I've seen that where they you demonize ETs. And I think a lot of it is that idea where I'm going back to the idea, Preston, of, well, no wonder they don't want to just knock on our door. Every time they come here, they want, we, we try to shoot them down. Yeah, we have a shotgun in their face. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, well, we have movies that are basically demonizing these things too. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, a lot of the cases that I've read too, people, they come, they're back home and they're talking about it. <laughs> so they're hardly dead or they didn't get killed. Um, right. Uh, you know, and they said, well, yeah, they checked me out. And, and we talked about some stuff or whatever. Uh, similar stories like that. So, yeah, I don't think it's all that bad, I guess. That's my point. Yeah. And by the way, they have knocked on people's front doors. That happened to Whitley Strieber. Uh. Uh, and that happened to uh, what Stan Romanek. His case is controversial. He was right. uh, arrested for pornography or something. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Some, sometimes the government comes after people who have too much evidence. Uh, and he had an awful lot. And he maintains his innocence. So I really wonder about him. Yeah, but yeah, that, sometimes that absolutely does happen. They approach, you know, as best as they can without scaring the wits out of people. But well, problem problem is, Greys are a little different from us. They're they don't have a lot of emotion. A lot of them, apparently, they've bred it out of their uh, genetics. Uh, they've had some severe genetic damage that has kind of they've lost the ability to reproduce. This is the story we're getting from first-hand experiencers independently corroborating each other's stories. I've got a bunch like this, and I know most abduction researchers do as well. So for the greys, it's an emergency. <laughs> they're, they're abducting people, and they've got a job to do and sometimes don't have time for you know, nice bedside manners. Yeah. <laughs> they're, we're dealing with you know, perhaps soldiers or doctors, right. not your average, say, tourist. Yeah. Uh, hard to say, but 
you know? Well, you said a couple things there, Preston, that interest me. Uh, one, they bred emotion out of their species, right? Uh, right. I, I, well, I, this is more of a rhetorical question, I think, but uh, why? <laughs> and I think I know, I think I know why. Uh, I think emotion, I mean, I think emotions are good. We need emotions. Uh, they help us drive decisions sometimes. But I think a lot of the craziness we're experiencing right now on this planet at this time it's with all, all the things. Based. Yeah, with a lot of things. We're, there's a lot happening right now. Let's be, let's be frank, especially in this country. But I think a lot of the negative things that are happening are, yeah, like you said, Amber, they're a result of emotional responses to things extreme emotional responses to yeah things, right greed and fear yeah yeah, yeah. um it, it's an interesting thought to have you know to think about a race of people that said maybe at one time they were very similar to us they were very emotional creatures that loved and hated and, you know as strong as each other right with both those emotions especially um uh, you know yeah. and they said and one day they just said hey you know what we've had enough we, we well, can't especially if it was starting to destroy them as a race. By all yeah. accounts, greys are essentially human. Um, this is what we're hearing. Uh, the greys have told people that they once looked like us, looked very much like us, and have bred emotions out for reasons of space travel is an uh, explanation that comes up fairly frequently. Yeah. Uh, but we don't know a lot. We're still at a very early stage of studying this. But I do know that they're very curious about emotions. They seem to be very interested in human emotions, putting people people through emotional testing. You, you know Betty Andreessen? She's a very well-known abductee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she Her main contact was Quasga, this Quasga. gray, who told her flat out, love is the, and I'm quoting here, love is the answer for humankind, which I thought was great. <laughs> this is coming from a gray. Right, yeah. And... Uh, they're not all emotionless. I've talked to people who said, I have never felt love like I felt from this gray ever in my life. Uh, and I've heard that more than once. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because, you know, emotions, they can, uh, if you look around at people on this planet, you can, I mean, too much stress, too much anger in your life over many years, it will age you. It'll, it'll change your body. Right. It'll 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 make you respond differently. It'll, but it will it, change your DNA. It'll kill you. <laughs> right. Um, so I wonder over a long period of time, if you were to, as you as we've already said, move that out of the gene pool, let's say. Right. Where this 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 construct we call emotion is removed and we basically respond the same way to everything. Right. Uh, what that would do, would it make, cause I mean, when I think of, when I think of grays, right. I mean, I think I have the standard, uh, boilerplate image in my brain of what a gray looks like. And they all seem to look a lot alike. They yep. seem, they, they all seem to look the same. And I'm not saying that they are, um, but they all seem to look the same. So I wonder if that would just kind of flatten that curve out. Right. And yeah, we all do look the same cause we're all responding the same now we're not different we don't have different races we well i guess we'd have different races here but maybe over millions of years without this emotional thing we would all just kind of meld into one thing I, that's just a crazy idea I well and i think there would have to be some type of genetic manipulation to even accomplish something like that of course you know so that would have to you know our crispers would have to get way better and we'd have to be actually volunteering to 
be part of that experiment. Which, well, I'll, I'll take it right now. You want it right yeah, now? I, I'll take this. <laughs> shoot me wherever. With the, well, whatever. what do you want changed in your your genetics? I don't want any emotion anymore. Oh, I'm tired <laughs> of feeling. Fuck <gasps> that. I'm sorry. I'm tired of feeling. It, it sounds extreme, but I mean, it's. I mean, but one of the things I've, you know, not to go too far in the weeds here, Preston, but this is what I've learned from some of the most brilliant people I know. They've all said the same thing, right? Uh, as a person, right? Um, they say, respond the same, whether it's negative or positive, uh, as far as any type of input that comes at you, right? Because mainly it's negative and positive inputs, right? Uh, and they say you need to respond the same way. You don't get super excited when it's positive. You don't get super angry or whatever when it's negative. You respond the same no, it's way. Very dull. Well, yeah, but you respond the same way. And it, that's kind of what I thought about when, when you mentioned that about this emotionless idea where it's been bred out of, of a race, right? Is, is it, it, Are these ideas they're having about this? And this, if this, Maybe this is the right way. I don't know. I'm, I'm, get me out of here, Amber. Help me. <laughs> no, 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 I find it interesting because, you know, that's – emotional detachment is kind of a spiritual aphorism yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, which i find very interesting detachment um, for, and for that matter i know people who are have the emotional range of a gray i mean they really <laughs> are just not emotional people yeah yeah um and men in particular uh i think are you know less don't express a wider a wider range as emotion that's a complete generalization i'm probably going to get myself in trouble now well, no, no I, I think that's still true um to this day that's <laughs> oh, yeah, true yeah i think more <sighs> nowadays more men are being encouraged to like hey you, you got feels feel it but yeah, cry yeah right and do it's things. not but you know 30 40 years 50 years ago 100 years ago it was like uh you're crying because yeah. your kitten's dead like get out of here you know guys that's, don't that's, cry no yeah. <laughs> Well, but I, speaking towards emotion, there's one case that comes to mind. This comes from researcher Constance Clear, uh, who passed away, unfortunately, but wrote this excellent book. She interviewed this guy named, well, in quotes, Andrew. I think that's probably a pseudonym. Uh, a guy from a small town in Texas who was having you know, pretty unpleasant encounters with gray type ETs. And that's a big umbrella, grays there, mm -hmm. probably different types. But at any rate... He had one of his final experiences, which he recalled under hypnotic regression. And this gray was there. And she says, you know, we wanted to let you know that we're done with you. We finished our experiments. Aren't you happy? <laughs> and Andrew's like, no, I'm mad as hell. <laughs> and she said, what's mad? What's hell? <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. And explained it to her, you know, that, you know, that her experiments on him were very scary and painful and he didn't like it and she said oh yeah well we do have a lot of trouble with human emotions but the truth is if you were in our position you would be doing the same thing yep and another thing she said which i just laughed when i heard it she says you know i am the highest ranking female on this ship i'm one of i'm a section commander and one of few people who's been allowed to pilot a ship i thought what great you know the highest-ranking female. Does this mean Greys have sexual discrimination? Yeah. Say, are they chauvinists? What's going on here? Of course. <laughs> yes. Apparently, yes. <laughs> uh, which shows to me how human they really are. Yeah, that's a real problem we have still, you know, in today's society, all over the world. It's it's very it's a very real problem, um, and it's it's surprising to hear that because this is the this is the first time I've heard of an issue like that. 
with the grays, at least with the grays, right? Um, so they have very real issues like we do, it sounds like. And it goes back to what we said before, what we were talking about, Preston, is the similarities that, that we have with them, I think. We, we probably have more in common with them than we even realize. I, I know I was just re- re- listening to Richard Dolan um, recently, and he said that he just kind of came to the realization. He, he, he sort of hadn't realized how many older encounters and he was going back doing a lot of research into the older like 40s 50s 60s 70s older encounters and how many of the aliens that people reported seeing were very like you said preston humanoid looking and almost to the point where they just looked like us mm-hmm. and then yeah. it kind of made everyone talk um at that moment on the show which i agree with that the human form is a pretty good i think pattern to go by and if Life as we know it sort of works the same way wherever you go. Like you need a habitable planet like Earth. You need oxygen, water. Even though we do know organisms can survive without oxygen, like in the depths of the ocean. Yeah, Mariana Trench. You know, yeah, things like that learn to adapt and survive, but they're not making cars or, you know, on computer (laughs) or bitching to people on Twitter. So (laughs) there's something to be said about our combination of biology that seems to work. I think having two arms, two eyes, two legs, um, you know, hands that grab things. I think that's a good, it's a good fit. So I wouldn't be surprised that if we went so many millions of miles away to the other side of our universe and landed on planet cool and those people i can't i couldn't come up with anything better cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, hey. like, it's all like very early 90s <laughs> it's like the 50s no it's all 50s no i like, want it to be 90s <laughs> the, oh, the 90s oh god <laughs> planet cool That's planet just, cool so anyway you're on planet cool and then those guys look like us maybe there's some slight in the 90s in the 90s. <laughs> well, and it would make sense with the jumpsuits, tracksuits, because aliens always wear, they always so say like planet, they, have, they have onesies, like one, you know, a whole suit on, <laughs> which was very popular in the 90s. So Planet Cool is worse than Canada then. They're like further, they're, because <laughs> I guess. What's wrong with our Canadian no, well, up friends? Northern, Northern Canada, they say, is 10 years behind the U.S. Oh, in, in style. So I guess Planet Cool okay, now right, is like 30 years if behind If someone us. up there lives <laughs> in <laughs> Canada killed by the Canadians and you now, think wonderful. you're 10, uh, 10 years behind us yeah. in fashion, uh, send us some photos of yourself. We're we'll going to die. Yeah. They're coming down in their trucks. They're <laughs> yeah. going to kill us. We're dead. You know, but um, I don't know what you think about Stephen Greer Preston, but he's another big researcher that seems to be promoting a more positive side of alien contact with his CE5 and saying that it's – you know, it's connecting to other life forms with consciousness, with love. Uh, he seems to be, and then think he really feels that the government's trying to create this whole agenda to um, make us, you know, look look poorly on the aliens. But um, I don't know. What do you have any opinions on Greer? Um, sure, I've known him for a while. Okay, he came over here in uh, L.A. in 1992 to form, you know, CSETI group. Yep. To call down UFOs, I was part of it, and we did for. Five years. Did you I was see with him. stuff? Oh, yeah. I saw stuff with, first night out with him. Wow. Second night, we saw stuff. And we had a little group of five, ten core members. Uh, and we'd see anomalous lights, usually, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, fairly, uh, not all the time, but you know, fairly regularly. Uh, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I think he's done great things for UFO research. I don't agree with um, some of the things he says. I think he's dead wrong about abductions. I don't think they're government. Right, yeah. Uh, um, I really don't. And I think you're terribly naive if you think all these guys are our space brother friends. Right. No. No, because, like I said, it can be pretty horrific. People have suffered. 
because of abductions medically. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I think he's right. Uh, we don't have to worry. This is not a demonic or evil, nefarious thing that are going to take over our planet. The invasion has already taken place. We've been manipulated, I think, for centuries, if not millennia. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I wrote a book, The Healing Power of UFOs, which documents over 300 cases of people who've been physically healed. And that's a lot of cases, and I don't think it's... I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. You mentioned that earlier about people coming back healed from things like, I mean, I'm going to assume things like cancer and things like oh. that they may be cured by. Oh, yeah. 40 plus cases of cancer, um, cases of you know cuts and bruises and burns and broken bones, minor infections, colds, flus, uh, very serious diseases, diphtheria, tuberculosis. Uh, liver disease, kidney disease, kidney stones, gallstones. I'm. I could go on. Yeah. Uh, there is. It's some of the best evidence we have, really, of the veracity of this phenomena. That's, let's say, in in the public arena. Well, I mean, would uh, that be something that we could we could look at? Is physical? I mean, you, we mentioned physical proof on our list here, and I mean, I guess that could be listed down as something like physical proof of, of this. I, I mean, I mean, especially extreme cases like yeah, someone has like inoperable cancer, right, and then it's and gone, they, and they come back and they're like, dude, there's no cancer in your body. That's impossible. Yeah, right? yeah, that, that, that's, that's what happened to Helena Charbonneau. Can't explain it. That's you know, like Bill Hamilton pretty prominent researcher investigated a case involving a lady who had a cystic mass in her breast, uh, diagnosed fully, you know, x-rays and everything. I was going to have surgery the, n the next day, and that night was visited and went to the doctor, and they couldn't find it. The tumor was gone. Wow. Lo lots of cases like that. Sometimes they wait to the last minute. It's very strange. One guy's on his way to the hospital from severe kidney stones, and just suffering, and this UFO starts going around the car. There's four people in the car. They all see it. And the, the guy who's got kidney stones is like, guys, you know, I'm starting to feel much better. Uh, they, he wasn't abducted. He was just in the presence of a UFO. This is what happens in some cases. And went to the hospital, and his kidney stones were gone. By the way, Andrew, that guy I talked about earlier, who was talking to the female gray, he was cured of kidney stones. Uh, so this is something that happens regularly. We've tried to figure out how, how common it is, because uh, I think it was David Jacobs and John Mack, both who had cases, by the way. I talked to Bud Hopkins personally. He said, yeah, we have cases. Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs said it's pretty rare. John Mack says, no, I think it's probably common. Edith Fiore, she wrote a book about abductions, said that fully half of her clients, half, had physical healings. Uh, the MUFON transcription project found about 10% of abductions involved some healing event. But most recently was the Free Organization by Reynero Hernandez. Mm -hmm. And that he found about 50%. Well, I think if you're abducted and you go on there and you punch somebody on the on the ship, you're going to be less likely. They're going to, they're going to probably less likely to want to help you in that in that department. It seems I, like, I, and that would be my take on that. My but, back has hurt since like for two weeks now, so I got to try and get abducted. Tonight. <laughs> I'm going to go out there and do some C five tonight, flash some yeah. lights in the sky, and see what happens. Uh, but got this, 15 cases of back healings. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. Well, this also reminds me, if you think about it in the past, when someone maybe from the 1400s or 1500s isn't going to equate um, a sudden healing 
with a UFO encounter because they don't have that. They don't understand. Yeah, but they had miracles, and the saints did miracles. And so biblically speaking, you got to wonder sometimes when these miracles were recorded, how many of those could have been potentially UFO abductions? Yeah, And they interpreted it as something happening like, you know, so so so-and-so came and got me. You said, yeah, the biblical times. Yeah. I mean, and that's been something that's been discussed a couple, I've I've heard that a few times where, yeah, this could be explained the Bible. And that's not to stop on anybody's faith or anything like that whatsoever, but it's something interesting to think about. Um, I remember... my dad had an ep- had an issue of popular mechanics, which I used to like to read, and it, I don't know why this made me think about that because there was a there was an issue they had where they were trying to scientifically explain um, some of the stories, you know, the major events from the Bible, the splitting of the Red Sea, for example, parting. I'm sorry, parting of the Red Sea, the crucifixion itself, and these guys spent time trying to explain scientifically what could have really happened, right? Uh, and this, this this is the same idea, I think. Maybe, yeah, something intervened from somewhere else and yeah, made a bush burn on top of a hill, just that one bush for a couple of seconds. And that's one little thing that popped in my brain. But, I mean, a lot of those stories, I think that's an interesting idea to think about, though. Yeah. Well, there's been books written on the similarities, certainly, between uh, yeah. events like that. But yeah. going to a first-hand case, one of the ladies I interviewed for this book, I call her Lynette. Uh, we still speak pretty regularly every week or so. She's become a really good friend. Yeah. Uh, she, born in 1957, started having experiences right away when she was a little girl. This is kind of the pattern. Figures coming into her room, very scary. Her father would run in with a shotgun and <laughs> and uh, search the room. Of course, nothing was there. But she continued to have you know sightings, missing time. Mm-hmm. As a young woman, uh, and throughout her life, she had a number of missing pregnancies. 1994, she was diagnosed with a huge cystic mass in her lung. They were going to remove a quarter of her lung or half of her lung. ETs came and healed her. But her most amazing case occurred in 2011. Suddenly, she's pulled out into her living room. The walls turn transparent, kind of just like level orb lines just lift up and they're gone. And she's sucked up into this UFO. So it's metallic inside. It reminded her of the inside of a submarine. And there's her full-grown hybrid son. Mm. Um, who, who he's, you know, this is what he says. He tells her, yeah, I am your son. And starts giving all this information and told her that we need to stop giving out the greed and negativity that we're putting forth because we will destroy ourselves like they did. Told her that a bunch of predictions about earthquakes and hurricanes, and so on, but said that, historically speaking, many of the accounts of angels were them. That was us, they said. They told her that they've been genetically manipulating human genes and animal genes, and specifically the genetics of dogs and cats to make them more emotionally relatable, or how to, I forget mm-hmm. the exact words they she used, but most... To more emotionally compatible yeah. with human beings, yeah. uh, which I found interesting and uh, told her people should go missing from this planet. It's, it's them and it's being done for the universal good. Gave her all kinds of information, uh, which yeah. was really interesting to me. I, that's interesting about the pets only because if you think about what pets on this planet 
humans really do identify with the most, it's cats and dogs. Yeah. And I just read something that cats have the more, I guess, closely related brain to us versus dogs, uh, which I think that's why cats are more like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And dogs are like, yeah, yeah, I'll do anything. I love you. 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 <laughs> you know, they just, they just seem to be, I don't know, cats just... Our, our, cats our do their own thing. They do their own thing. They do their own thing, and they, they have their, their own. own they're, they're they're independent, and I think that's that's part of the human condition. But there are is buddies. Yeah, and you know? there are so buddies too. That's that's oh, interesting. They, they, they have complex emotions. I remember our they dog; do. she wasn't allowed on the couch. <laughs> we catch her on there, and she'd get this look of guilt, yep. and she'd get off. Well, yeah, <laughs> she knew she was guilty. I think dogs. Uh, Do- dogs show guilt, yeah, but dogs, like, man, yeah, and dogs show more emotion than, than kitty cats do. I think. They do, and especially in the guilt, like what'd you do? And, oh. <laughs> Those that you want, yeah, that's some prime prime real estate on YouTube is watching the guilt, the guilting a dog. Yeah. Poor dog sitting there looking guilty because they ripped up they ripped up a pillow it's or so something like cute, that. It's so cute, but you feel bad. <laughs> I gotta ask this though, um, and you, we alluded to this a couple times here, but I want to hit this right on the head here if we can. Um, We've kind of talked about the abduction part. I'll just use the A word, whatever. The abduction part. And we, we've we said a couple of things here and there, but the inside of a UFO. I mean, I think when, when you say that idea, I think a lot of people get a picture in their mind too. But I'd like to hear from you, you know, what – head on, what do these things look like on the inside as far as their structure? Uh, oh, it's very consistent. Almost without exception, people describe – rounded walls as if this thing is completely molded out of one piece of ceramic or something yeah not usually white but you know it's often pastel colors um there's definitely an aesthetic feature to a lot of these things people describe pastel blue or this sort of thing mm-hmm. uh also they often describe a central column i hear that quite a bit uh very commonly they describe sort of these control panels that are relatively simple with oven dials and orange and red lights, this sort of thing. Very much like a Star Trek set. I was just going to say that <laughs> next, the original series set, it sounds like. <laughs> I, I mean, I hear that all the time. Another thing I hear very consistently is what the windows look like from the inside, you know, portholes. People never, ever describe what we would think of as a window frame. Instead, they see the wall suddenly become transparent can be a small portion or can be the entire craft suddenly becomes transparent so it looks like people have used this exact phrase it was like i was inside wonder woman's jet oh, yeah. <laughs> so to hear that from different people yeah um and a lot of these people don't look into ufo books i mean they are kind of like no i'm t- too scared mm-hmm. uh, they don't read ufo books and to hear them give these absolutely identical details is astonishing you know, you made me think. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I, I don't want to forget this though. You, you mentioned the dials, right? Um, and it, it made me think about this because you mentioned the dials, and we, of course, we mentioned Star Trek, but you mentioned the simplicity, right? And that gets me think to thinking about things like advanced societies. I know working in technology myself. Um, what our job or what a lot of technology people's jobs are, whether they're coders or whether they work on hardware, whatever it might be, is to take complex functions, complex processes, complex ideas and make them simple, make them really simple. Right. Uh, we call them easy buttons and stuff like our happy buttons and stuff like that, which you push that button and a million processes get kicked off to do something for you. Right. Um, 
that seems like that would be an advanced race, of, you know, an advanced race of people, let's say, uh, that have higher technology. That makes perfect sense to me, Preston, uh, that, yeah, you look at controls on these very, what we would consider very, very sophisticated uh, spaceships that can travel across galaxies. Uh, and they're relatively simple to, to to use, I think, because they've probably been through all of the stuff that we're going through right now at this time with our species, as far as our technology is concerned. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that, and, uh, go ahead. Yeah, some people feel like uh, the ships themselves are aware or have an AI, artificial intelligence element to them, mm -hmm. um, which is I find also very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think, but high tech is just that. That's super interesting. Interesting to hear that. Well, idea. and I, I think it's a. It, it, at it's some simple. point, it might be Easy. a blending of our biology with the technology. Yeah, biomechanics. Like, yeah, and and I think I know. Chip to the brain. Here we go. Well, yeah, and I <laughs> I know I know like that was one of the things if if like when To the Stars came out and the first book first fiction book came out that Tom DeLonge wrote with uh, uh, AJ uh, Hartley. It was a really good action book, and the whole thing was that, oh, he's going to drop some things that are actually truthful in the book, but you just don't know what. So I'm like, okay, i got to read this. And the, in the book, when the guy gets his hands on the you know, backward-engineered spaceship uh, and starts flying it it's for the U.S. military, he just puts his hand like over a globe, and it sort of just – he like telepathically connects with – the machine and then it's sort of all of this open space it goes he can get to like i think at one point in the book he goes to stonehenge from like the u.s and to stonehenge in like 15 minutes and you don't feel the same even like the you're not even bogged down by by gravity the same way like you yeah, would in a yeah, you know yeah. a jet and i don't uh, i don't want to spoil anything the new dan brown book it sounds like you've heard, don't be playing around with you're gonna get a suit no i'm not it's called origin but it dabbles in the fact that our our forward evolution isn't just going to be us growing like a third arm or wings or some new appendage. It's going to be us integrating with technology. That's going to be our evolution. And so we will become, like you said, biomechanical. Uh, and that's really weird, freaky and cool to think about because I like technology. Uh, I, I like it. And if I can, you know, I don't necessarily want to stick Google in my eye yet or anything, or but chip, <laughs> chip to the brain. Like yeah. I said, too. Well, and, and Preston, what do you think about microchips and, and like Dr. Lear and people that come back chipped? I mean, do you, do you feel that's a real thing? And, and if it is, what's the purpose of doing it? Why do they do it? Yeah, for sure. It's very consistent. I can't tell you how many people, experiencers I've talked to who go to the dentist or, you know, the doctor for whatever reason. And the doctor's like, well, this is weird. This, you know, one, a lady I'm working with, her teenage son went to the dentist and there's this giant marble under his back molar. Oh, what? And uh, that wasn't there before. Oh. <laughs> he had just recently had a very close up UFO sighting. These oh are implants. God. Oh. Uh, and they're very consistent. I think if you've been taken on board, that's probably, you know, happened because uh, it just turns up so much. And uh, we have all kinds of speculation about what these are, of course. I uh, think the most common theory is mind control, you know, they're, right. it's, or they're tracking us. Yeah. But I have to tell you, one lady I interviewed, she asked them, they're like, she's like, what's this for? And they said, well, this is to measure the level of pollution in your body. Oh. And, 
And another was told, this is to boost your immune system. We monitor your vitals, another was told. Uh, there's a guy in England, bit. same thing. So good things. Yeah. Uh, so just something to keep in mind. It's not necessarily nefarious. Right. Well, okay, yeah. if I find one, I'm going to keep it in there then. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, and I guess the, the, the big question here, Preston, is, is just that. Like what, what, all the stuff we've talked about over the last hour, right, um, these abductions and the, all these reasons we may have um, and things like that. I mean, is this pointing to, I mean, what is the end game here, I guess? What, what are we doing here? What, I mean, what's the idea? I mean, what is the agenda? <laughs> I guess it's yeah. the question I have. I mean, because this is a lot of stuff we're talking about. And, and I mean, the, the big questions are the hardest ones, I think, to ask. And Yeah, I mean, I guess what's your idea on that? Uh, I do feel like there's multiple agendas, certainly hybrid babies is a main agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, they're very interested in all things human. They love us. <laughs> There's something to that. And I'm not sure what's going on because this is historically unprecedented. I mean, yeah, UFOs have been around forever. We know this from hieroglyphics and petroglyphs and cave paintings and Renaissance paintings, right. the Middle Age wood carvings. But what happened in 1947, you know, the giant super wave, it kind of coincides exactly with the atomic age. Yeah. And it really wasn't until 1950 that we started to hear about abductions, onboard yeah. experiences. There are very few historical accounts that match that, certainly not in the large numbers we're seeing today. So this is new. This is something new for humanity, and this could be some weird endgame. I feel like the ETs are have an agenda towards open official contact. I really do. And this is why we see things like the Phoenix Lights, yeah. Gulf, Gulf Breeze, Hudson Valley Wave, Whitville, Virginia, Belgium, France, Mexico City, Topanga Canyon. Huge, huge waves of sightings mm -hmm. uh, are obviously publicity stunts. I mean, there's no way around it. Mm -hmm. I wrote a book called uh, Schoolyard UFO Encounters. Yes. Uh, you may have heard like the Rua Zimbabwe case. Yes, where... I Preston, I read my mind. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that because I, I you know, right now our, our kids are canaries in the coal mine. They have to go to school and, and it's, it's a really freaky time for parents to, to think, oh God, is my kid going to get COVID? Are they going to be safe? Are they going to be clean? Uh, what's going to happen? But before this was all going on, there's an insane amount of schools that have had UFOs like sightings over it that kids have seen. And so why have UFOs been so interested in, like, appearing over schools, especially, I don't know if you can quick tell, uh, recap the Zimbabwe story, because it's fascinating. Yeah, it's the ultimate case of this kind. I found a hundred, by the way, uh, where UFOs hover over schools at very low levels for long periods of time, viewed by large numbers of witnesses, and landing in 30% of the cases with humanoids being seen. And the Rua Zimbabwe case is the ultimate one. There was 200 kids on the playground, 1994. Uh, and uh, this object lands right next to the, the playground. It's seen <laughs> by some 60, 70 kids. Crazy. A, a smaller portion saw the actual ETs, and a smaller portion got messages, which were, guess what, about the environment, huh. about chopping down forests, about pollution, about this sort of thing, the same message adults are getting. So, yeah, this happens all over the world. There's another identical case in uh, 
Opalaka, Florida, at an elementary school. Half of the cases occur at elementary schools, by the way, mm. our youngest kids. Yep. But look at the Westall High School incident in Melbourne, Australia. Same thing, landing right next to the school. This is a publicity stunt. This is a, we're here, look at us. It's not nefarious. You know, sometimes it does cause fear, certainly. Right, yeah, the kids get excited. But, <laughs> but usually it's awe. And teachers are watching this too. It's not just kids. Yeah, half half the cases involve teachers, and uh, this is obviously. I mean, in my mind, I don't. I, I just can't escape it. They're showing themselves off. Yeah, they're saying, "Look, this is us." You know, look. <laughs> well, and so with I, the with the Zimbabwe one, I mean, you had even uh, psychiatrist John Mack, uh, Pulitzer Prize winner from Harvard. That went and studied and talked to a lot of those kids because he got into, you know, studying alien abduction. So that's not just something that to be ignored, you know, that it was just fake and the kids all made it up. I, I know a lot of people would think like their kids, they made it up. They all got together. They saw a creepy movie the night before and one kid got next kid excited. But no, not with the amount of stories you've collected and that you hear about. Um, and then you got to wonder, too, when we were talking earlier in the show about influencers, are they landing at elementary schools because one of these kids is going to grow up to do something interesting or have some type of leverage. And it makes me wonder if anyone's ever interviewed these kids from like, let's say the Zimbabwe one, 1994, and then going back to other ones. And if what they're doing now, if, if that made some type of impact on them that, you know, yeah, maybe, they wanted to go in a certain direction with, yeah, their life. with the environment and maybe they, you know, I don't know. Yeah, well, one guy in Scotland, Bankery Elementary School, he and his friends were playing football, saw this UFO right over the playground. Everyone was looking at it. Years later, he's now the one of the leading UFO researchers in Scotland, Malcolm Robinson. He's written a number of books. And this is what we see in a number of these cases. People become UFO researchers yeah. or teachers, very interested in quantum physics, this sort of thing. None of these students, by the way, have ever uh, reversed or their story. None has been found in a hoax. Okay. Children actually make excellent witnesses because they're so unprejudiced. Yeah. Most, most of them didn't even have never heard of UFOs. Yeah. When one of these. So it's really awesome to hear them, their descriptions of the, these objects coming down. Well, you know, the one thing I've been thinking about here through this whole conversation is, um, and you mentioned something before, Preston, um, is that the ETs, uh, they, they love this race. And I like to think that's because, um, you know, they see they maybe have seen us at our best. Unfortunately, I'm sure they've seen us at our worst, too. But I I personally believe that, you know, the human race, all colors, all creeds at our best. We see it every day. We see amazing things happen without any magic, without any type of miracles. Right. We just see amazing things happen in front of our eyes. And I'm hoping that's the idea that the ETs may have about us, too. And maybe that's why they love us is because they know at our best we're unstoppable. And we're and we're you know we're a great race of people. We're clearly not the only. No, <laughs> we are. No. We are not the only. But I'm hoping that's the reason that they are interested in us. Uh, I really hope that's just to think about that. It's, I think it's a good idea to have. I hope that's what they're thinking out there. Yeah, and they seem to be most interested in the very human parts of us. You know, I mentioned people given, being given warnings, also being taken to the engine room. That also another very common thing that happens is. People are given some sort of spiritual message or advice or yeah. teachings. And case after case after case after, this is the most common thing I see. People come back spiritually transformed. They now do channeling. 
They can now do Reiki or hands-on healing. That's so common. Yeah. Psychic readings, dowsing. Uh, this sort of thing turns up so many times. They seem to be very interested in waking people up to our own superhuman potential. Right. Like yeah. just tweaking something in her brain a little bit that yeah. just to flip use a that switch. Piece. To use that piece. Yeah. Yeah. Wake up. Wake yeah. up. It's all about you know trying to wake us up to our own spiritual abilities. Yes, sir. Preston, thank you so much. We can't thank you enough for it's been a long time. Like we I think we didn't mention that on the show. It's been a while since we've talked. Uh, and I've been wanting to get a hold of you. I'm glad I did. And I hope we can have you back on again here sometime down the road soon. Yeah, because we have like a thousand other books that Preston wrote to talk about. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about, yeah. Preston, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have another one coming out just this month, actually. UFOs, get this, that hover over drive-in theaters. What? Really? Yes. And I thought, you know, I got a case like this. This lady I interviewed had a UFO come right down next to the movie screen, cleared the theater out. I thought, wow. And then I ran across three cases in a row. I'm like, uh-oh, this yeah. is a thing. This Let's look thing. into this. Let's look into this. Found this, this yeah, is, I found 100 cases. And this what? is coming out, you said, in the next month or so? Yeah. And what's the name of it again? Uh, UFOs at the drive-in. UFOs at the drive-in. Oh, my God. <laughs> so look out for that. Um, yeah, we're gonna And get drive-ins you. are becoming popular now because regular theaters are closed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my dude. God. Oh, we're on deep shit now. Okay, I got to go there. <laughs> okay, no, here's my plan. I'm going to go to the drive-in theater for my back with, your camera. with my flashlight to signal for my CE5. I got, the, I got a plan. I got a plan. Oh boy. Bring your camera. Bring, bring your my camera. camera. Say, bring, don't forget the camera part, too. <laughs> Preston, thank you again. We're going to be getting together really soon, hopefully. Thank you, though. We can't thank you enough for being on the show with us again tonight. Hey, I had a blast. Thanks very much. Ghostly Talk. <laughs>